Welcome to Dollars and Cents, wealth, wisdom, and well-being, where we explore the topics of money, innovation, and life. I'm John Carolyn, Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Main Street Wealth Management. With me today is my business partner, Mark Lopez, Senior Vice President, Certified Financial Planner, Olympic Silver Medalist. My gosh, never ends. How are you, amigo? I'm doing great, John. Well, today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Janice and Bobby Jucker of the famed Three Brothers Bakery. It's wonderful to have you guys here. Thank you for Thank having us. We really appreciate this. Thank of, you so of much. Of course, of course. And for the other guy, you can't see this, the audience, but they brought goodies and my mouth is watering. Mm, smells delicious. All right. Before we dive into the podcast, we'd like to start off with a trivia question. In what country did the croissant originate? Anyone? I, I do not know the answer to that. All right. Listeners, guess anything? All right. Well, it's not what most people think. The croissant was developed in Vienna. Oh and my it's, God. I yeah. knew that. I knew <laughs> And its crescent shape is believed to have been inspired by the Ottoman flag. And it later became popularized in France. They appropriated it in France. That's true. That's true. They did. They did. All right. Janice, Bobby, everyone has a story, and yours is, to say the least, fascinating. Tell us a little bit about your business and its origin. So I'm a fifth-generation baker. Three brothers, well, the family started three brothers, well, not three brothers, but the family started baking about almost 200 years ago in a small town in Poland called Chanov. And I'll let you finish the rest because well, you're good at it. I, in a building that Napoleon once slept in. There's oh, wow. some useless trivia for you. So uh, they baked continuously until 1941. And then the Nazis came and they took over the bakery. And it's a long story, so I'm going to be brief. But they took over the bakery and then eventually... Bobby's grandparents, who were the ones running the bakery at the time, anyway, they were Merton in Auschwitz. And then his dad and two brothers and older sister, they survived the camps. And they survived, because all four of them survived, mainly because of their older sister, Jane. I never know if she's Janie or Jenny. We can just call her Aunt Jenny. So. Okay, so Aunt Jenny, she... She saved the three brothers. She married the head Jew in the camp that she was at. And you're too young. Um, Mark. Mark, you're too young, but maybe John remembers. There was a show called Hogan's Heroes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they had a liaison, a prisoner liaison to the SS Nazis, because it took place in a Nazi concentration camp. And so it's similar. They had a head Jew that was a liaison to the Nazis in, the, in every camp. And so she married that person. And by doing that, she got moved into the office. And this is way before internet, as you know. And she managed to find her three brothers at other camps. Oh, wow. And she had them transported to the camp where she was. So for one year, they were all together. Two of them were on desk door when they arrived. And Aunt Jenny and my father-in-law, Bobby's dad, Sigmund, I'm loosely saying they nursed him back to health. I think they just nursed him back to survival. Mm. And so if that had not happened, I think for sure Uncle Max and Uncle Saul wouldn't have made it. May 8th, 1945 was Liberation Day. 
and Bobby's dad was in charge of waking everybody up every day without an alarm clock. As a result, up until the day he died, he really couldn't sleep. And he came out one day and he noticed there were no guards up in the towers. And it looked like everyone was gone. And this fence was not electrified. I don't know how he knew that. So he went and he found wire cutters. And he opened the gates and he stepped across the threshold and he fell to the ground. And he took that first breath of freedom. May 8th really became his new birthday. Uh, Bobby has like lots of stories to tell. That's that's incredible. It it just brings to mind just so many things. And and I I can't imagine the feeling of, well, I guess, because they weren't getting any news, obviously. And so you just came out, you came out and and saw. The guards were gone. Yeah. Well, I can tell you the stories my dad's told me that it's really about somebody trying to kill you, uh, starving you to death. It gives you a different perspective on life. You know, when you hear about people that are in a bad situation, you don't know what bad situation is until somebody is trying to kill you. It's really given me a good perspective in my life of what what's important and what's not important. Don't worry about the small stuff. Feed yourself. Make sure you have food. And we feed the homeless at the bakery, and we've been feeding the homeless since before I got there when my dad was there because they know what it was like to be hungry. Mm -hmm. So they got out. They started a bakery after they all got out. And This uh, is in uh, Germany or Poland? You're talking about the one, the black market thing? Yeah. So they they started a, a bakery, then they were serving the DP camps. And um, displaced persons, yeah, displaced persons camps. Their sister left and came here to the United States, and then they were scheduling to come to the United States. You had to have a sponsor, you couldn't just come here. So, they had been sponsored to work in a bakery in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It would have been a really great skier had that happened, but their sister sent them a note and said, listen, you need to come to Houston. The streets are lined with gold. And so they came here. And they went to go work for a big, huge bakery, which was Hanky Pillot, which is now Kroger's. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. My dad used to tell me the stories that it was so hot there (laughs) that they would be making bread in the back and the sweat would just be pouring off. A little added salt. They said, you know, I think we can do this on our, on our own. This is, this is not. So they, they went out and found a little small bakery on Holman right across from what was, what is now HCC. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you look up at this one building, which is right across from. Uh, it's Holman and LaBranch. Holman and LaBranch. There's a Beth Israel. There's a Jewish star. star there. And they left that. It's there. And uh, they opened up. Well, they didn't realize because they didn't speak English. They didn't know the country. They didn't know anything. You have to have parking in Houston, Texas. They had one parking space. Oh, boy. And it was a big problem. So they, they suffered for five years. And then their lease was up and they moved to Almeida and their business just started to flourish. 
They had parking. So what, what year was that? What year, what year that was, was that? That was 1949. And then by about 1955, they moved over to Almeda and Southmore. And then they started the process of building a building uh, on Brazewood because the Jewish population was moving mm-hmm. to that area. On the beautiful Braze Bayou. They were following the Jewish population. So they, they got a guy to lease them this, this building no, he land. Was, his land, and he was building a building for him, and his name was Billy Burge. I don't know if you ever heard of Billy Burge, mm-hmm. but Billy Burge yeah. became the um, a commissioner to build the NRG Stadium. Oh, wow. He's an important person in the history of Houston's development. Okay. Anyway, they took a chance on the three brothers because they really didn't have any money, and they were willing to sign a 40-year lease, and he built a building for them. Wow. That he is incredible. A chance on them. And so that's, that, so that's the first store the, the, on the North Brazewood. Yeah, that's still our South store. Brazewood. I'm sorry, South it's Brazewood. It's the third version yes. of the first store. Okay. okay. So, I, so I, I live in Meyerland with my, my wife and, and children, and so uh, uh, we, we, that's our favorite place to go. And, uh, Thank you. And, and, and the way I heard of it is probably... 15, you know, probably 15 years ago. So we have a, a friend and, uh, and client too, who he would tell me, uh, and, and I forget what day it is, but there's a day that he would go in and get the fresh onion loaves that, that you all would, Sunday. would bake Sunday. Okay. Yeah. We, we make these, uh, these Still onion boards, <laughs> we make these onion boards that have, are, are they're like great for, if you pizza. like pizza or if you just like to heat them up and put like, you know, butter on them. They're really, really good. I make pizzas out of them. They're super easy and they taste really good. And believe it or not, kids don't even know there's onions on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not an onion <laughs> fan. I'm not an onion fan, but I imagine I'll like that too. Then let me ask you, Bobby. How, how is it that, that you? How did you navigate taking over the family legacy, making and infusing it, and making it into your own? That's a really hard thing to do when you're dealing with Holocaust survivors that, you know, I got a piece of paper and a pen and I know how to, how to write the, the numbers. They were, they were, I mean, my dad was like a calculator. He could calculate all the stuff in his head. Actually, Bobby is too. And here I come, I just graduated from college and, you know, the oil business had fallen out. It's 1983 and it's really, my family says, you already know the business. Come, we need you. Come in, come, come. His degree's in petroleum so, land management, and it's oh, okay. 1983. Oh, wow. <laughs> so anyway, I said, oh, okay. And I really didn't want to go to some of these hodunk towns to go get a job, which sure. I could have got, but I wanted to meet women and have fun and do all those <laughs> things. And I stayed, I got in the bakery, and I said, okay, I'm just doing this temporary so I've been there temporary for 41 or almost 42 years now, 41 <laughs> wow. years now. Jeez. Oh, that's a great story. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Janice, on to you. You faced hurricanes and floods and incredibly operated continuously, except during four historical natural disasters. Tropical Storm Allison, Hurricane Ike, 2015 Memorial Day floods, and Hurricane Harvey. How has this impacted your approach to business resilience? First of all, I just have to say, Mark, right? Mark, Mm -hmm. yes, Mark. I'm sorry. I just have to say, Mark, that you really did your homework. 
because I didn't even remember all those disasters where we closed. So, yeah. So we call ourselves King and Queen of Disaster. Won an award for that. And we actually won an award. Yeah, we won the <laughs> SBA Phoenix wow. Award for Small Business Disaster Recovery. Went to and, Washington for that. Yeah, oh, wow. they sent us, yeah, they paid for us to go to Washington. It was really cool. Anyway, I think we learned a lot from Ike because we've been through, okay, four floods, a fire, hurricane, pandemic, and freeze. The first flood was 2001 with Allison. Then we had Hurricane Ike. So Allison, we were closed three days. Ike, we were closed for nine months. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And we paid our employees throughout. And I think that is, first of all, the number one lesson to any small business is when you face adversity like that, pay your people because you won't reopen without them. And even if you're closed for nine months, they know everything you want and you are their financial security also. So pay them. And that is maybe easier said than done. And so... Uh, we got lucky because we had an insurance agent that we had signed up with nine months before. And we walked in, we knew someone who had a business and they had a fire and they were closed for nine months. They rebuilt and reopened. And so we walked in and we and said, they paid their people and they paid their people. Wow. And so we said, okay, we want that. That's what we want. And you get a book and there wasn't double-sided printing at the time. So this book is, you know, 300, 400 pages. It's like a phone book. So let me just ask you two, have you ever read any of your insurance policies cover to cover? Sadly, no. I, I, I can kind of skip through it after a while. They, they lose me with all the legalese. Okay. And Mark? I, I read the summary. Yeah. Okay. That's not good enough. Yeah, I know. So I've actually read mine, but what happened with Ike was I read it afterwards after we got hit and oh you're supposed boy. to read it before. Yeah. And so th that really started our path to how you survive disasters. And so luckily our insurance agent, they took great care of us. I mean, we even had sign insurance. We had the ultra package so we could get the mobile homes. We could get a professional organizer to help us get back in, advertising money. I mean, it really, we had a great agent. And that was really, I think, a good reason why we survived. And then for me, I have a degree in social work. So I don't know the language of business. I've had to learn that. You can be a great baker and open a bakery, but you have got to understand the language of business and it is really important when you have a disaster. And so now we have a four part plan for recovery of disasters. The number one thing is money, because if you don't have money, there's no reason to muck out your business and that's what you need to pay your employees. I do a presentation on disasters. And so it just started us down the path and then every single disaster, you learn something new. Hmm. and. That's how we handle it. And then I think the other thing, because of Bobby's family, this is an inconvenience getting hit by a disaster. This is not... It's not an existential threat. Correct. Correct. And so we, that's how we look at it, because we stand on the strong shoulders of survivors. Beautiful. Wow, that that's is... amazing. It is incredible. Janice has become very, very good at the paperwork aspect of it. I'm not good like that. I may be a good baker, but through this whole process, what we learned a lot is we, we met some people that we became friends with who were great chefs who went and opened up their own business. They did not know how to do paperwork. They did not know that business aspect of it. And they failed miserably. 
and they didn't know what to do. And so my thing to tell people out there is you may be really good at one thing, but if you need this whole package to really be successful, you can't just be a good baker. You can't just be good at one thing. You have to understand all of these aspects. And you really, if you don't, don't even write a check because you're going to come into some kind of disaster where you're going to need this other aspect. So that's my thought. And I love that you love talking and teaching other people how to mm-hmm. how to succeed through yeah, d- the real experience that yeah, you guys Yeah, I, I do presentations on disaster That's great. preparedness and recovery and every single photo and they're all like bad, pretty much bad photos. They are all from us, okay? There's not, no stock photos in my presentation. And then the other thing this did for us, the reason I applied for that SBA award, that national award because I thought it would give us credibility because we want to get policy changes to help small businesses Mm -hmm. to survive these disasters. Because what happens is after a disaster, 40% of the small businesses close. And of that, then another like 20% of that 40% never reopen. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot because America, a small business in America employs half of America. So, and here in Houston, if you multiply all that out, that's a lot of jobs. Oh, absolutely. And so it's really important for them to survive. And so like right now I'm working on a, I want to get, we did get a bill passed in the Texas legislature in 2019. Janice got a bill passed. Well, no, it was a group. It was a group effort, but it was her. NFIB really helped a lot. It was her vision of what should happen. So go ahead. Wow. The framework was passed for small business bridge loans after disasters activated by the governor, but there's no money in there. (laughs) So now the next session in 25, because we haven't been able to get it yet, we want to, I really want to go after trying to get $200 million put into that fund. And then they would be small loans, Mm $50,000, so people can pay their employees. And it usually, it models the Florida model. And Florida, within 10 days of application, you get money in the bank. Wow. And this is all from winning this award that we won for the King and Queen of Disasters. Award. We got invited and we met the head of what was the head of FEMA. And he's... We're telling we were invited him about by this. Pew Research. That's what Pew, Pew invited us. And we're telling him about this. And he goes, oh, did you uh, talk to Jeb Bush? And Janice goes, oh, you know, I lost his phone number. I can't call him. <laughs> so uh, he goes and he gives Janice his phone number. No, his email. His email. He gave me his email. He goes, and he'll email you back in 24 hours. And he and did. So, and so, <laughs> incredible. Um, wow. Uh, Jeb basically sent Janice to all the right people. And they're like, they're like, oh, we got it all together here for you. All you got to do is change Florida to Texas. <laughs> it's already done. They, we have it here. They are amazing. Done. They And in Florida, see, it came to be under Jeb Bush's governorship. This is when mm-hmm. the program started. And so he goes, you know, I'm not really that influential in Florida anymore, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm going to see, but I don't make any promises. I mean, within three hours, I had calls from three people and I already have their operating manual, their loan documents. And then they said they would give us the website code. So we're not really starting from scratch, no pun intended. (laughs) And so we just don't have any money yet. And so that's, they didn't do it by a bill. They just did it. And we have to get 
the money put in. All right, politicians in Texas, you heard it. Get it done. And I met with my current representative <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him, will you be my champion? Because you have to have champions, you know, to do all that. So I do oh, talks yeah. on that, too, you know, how to get bills passed. <laughs> and how to know your 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 representatives. Yeah. That yeah. is super, super, super important. At all levels of government. Very important. Mm-hmm. How, you, how to navigate through all, all that. Oh. The channel, especially once, if you didn't know how to before. I mean, you guys really, I mean. We learned a lot. On your and, own. At one point, we needed money, and we couldn't get it. And go ahead. Yeah, the SBA, the SBA disaster loan. We were after Harvey. We were approved right out of the shoot. We, I was none. I was there like on the second day they took applications, and just FYI, it took their people who know what they're doing five hours to do my application, and I had every single thing they needed five hours. And then within 10 days, I was approved. We were approved. And Harvey was August 26 or so. By Labor Day, I was in the office. Before mid-September, we were approved. And then our first Amex bill came in. Mm -hmm. And it was $100,000. Okay, we had the money. You have to remember, you don't have any revenue when you have a disaster. Right. And in our case, even after we reopened, 70% of the population of our main store was elsewhere. We paid the 100000 So I'm like, okay, well, the money's going to come. Then we get the next bill. That's 140000 So we had to pay within 30 days almost a quarter of a million dollars. And I did not, we didn't have that money, the 140. And so luckily, John Culberson was our representative at the time for our district where we lived. And we had been there, you know, we had talked to him about soybeans and other things. I don't remember what it was. And they knew us. And so I finally, I emailed the district director and two days later we had the money. Hmm. That's incredible. You guys really are, you're trailblazers in in business and and this the 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 story just for survival and how and you keep on not reinventing yourselves but but innovating and learning and growing so but think about it you have this new restaurateur who loves to cook his incredible things or her incredible things and then she gets hit by a harvey right and they don't know like I knew exactly what the SBA needed. And it was, by the time I was approved, I had uploaded over 300 documents. Wow. Uh And so most people don't know these things. And most people don't have extra people. We divide and conquer. So I'm money and paperwork. He's going out and fixing and buying assets. Someone else is doing the cleanup and someone's doing return to operations. And so... You know, in a small rest, I'm using restaurant because we're in the food business, but in a small restaurant, you got the owner who's probably the chef and the bookkeeper right. and everything. And it's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. No, that's uh, it is, again, an incredible story. Let me ask you, Bobby, this is this question's for you. So, so innovation is a, is key to any business. And uh, can you share a story about adapting, maybe, uh, Maybe a family recipe or something adapting to tastes or changes in, in, the, in the times. I'll just give you one example. White cakes that we used to do. Mm-hmm. And one was for wedding and the other one was for birthday cakes. We had those two recipes. And we noticed that 
people always were asking for our wedding cake batter. And so I had to go back and redo our, our recipe, take a little of this and a little mm-hmm. of that and kind of come to the middle and make it where people go, yeah, that's, that's the one I want. That's the one I want. So they're not asking for the wedding cake recipe anymore. So for their that, birthday cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of where, where we landed. And that's, I guess, a kind of example sure. of how we kind of manipulated some recipes to make it better for everyone, including us. So yeah. just it's out of curiosity, the difference between the two, your, uh, like a wedding cake batter and a, and a birthday cake batter. I'm, I'm guessing that one is much more heavy. Okay. The other one's much lighter. The wedding is lighter. No, wedding is heavy. Oh, sorry. What do I Wed- have? Yeah, she's... I'm she's money the, and paperwork. The money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we did. That makes, I, a, makes a lot of sense. Another example is when I came in the bakery, they used a lot of sugar. And here I come in the bakery, I go, man, those oatmeal cookies got a lot of sugar. Let's cut that back by half. And we cut it back by half. And they're going, they'll never sell it. You'll never sell that. Don't touch it. Well, we sell more oatmeal cookies now than we did. No oh, kidding. Wait, you ever. need to tell them the Kaiser Roll story, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you have to do it with the accents. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I come in the bakery, and I'm now kind of running the place, and my dad goes on vacation. He goes to Europe with a friend of his. So I'm there with my uncle. And we had a guy who said, listen, I got a bunch of equipment. I'm going to just leave it with you. You try it. If you like it, you pay me for it. Okay. So he left us a Kaiser roll machine. So my dad and my uncle and me would make Kaiser rolls by hand. And this is a language that has died. Okay. Nobody, I think I'm probably the last person that knows how to make Kaiser rolls by hand. The Latin of Kaiser rolls. (laughs) And here me and my uncle are there. I got so many things going on. And he says, Bobby, come over here. We need to make some Kaiser rolls. And I I say, say, no, I don't want to do that. No, we got too much stuff to do. And I pull this machine out. He goes, oh, you never see all the goddamn rolls. Watch your language. And I pull this machine out and we start putting these pucks into the machine and it makes these beautiful Kaiser rolls. And my uncle is so mad at me. He is just so mad. But we're done two hours earlier than he would normally go home. <laughs> so he's like, okay, let's try it. We'll see what happens. I gotta... And from then on, we use a Kaiser roll machine to make Kaiser rolls. So there is an innovation that, yeah, that adapt and innovate. So um, You're telling your uncle, welcome to the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> my uncle. That reminds we me still of do a, a lot by hand, though. Yeah. It, that reminds me of, and I, this, this just popped into my head. My dad came to visit, it was uh, in uh, 2020, and uh, it was in the middle of the presidential election. We took him to your bakery. It was the neatest thing that you guys had, because you would sell the Biden cookies and then the, and the Trump cookies, uh-huh. right? right. And, and then you would keep score keep track, yeah. keep track of that mm-hmm. yeah. and i just thought that was the greatest thing in the world what a great I- idea we i'll tell you a funny story about that so i had caricatures made in 2016 and it was trump and hillary clinton okay and so then it's now 2020 and trump is running again 
And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to use the same caricature and then I'll just get one made for Biden. So the Biden one had him in the aviator glasses and he was smiling. So we started getting complaints because (laughs) we made these Trump caricatures. We made him look bad. He's not smiling or whatever. And I mean, you didn't complain in 2016. (laughs) Why are you complaining in 2020? We're just trying to save some money. Okay. Oh my gosh. This year, you could use the mugshot (laughs) (laughs) for the caricature. Oh, that's pretty funny. Well, maybe we'll change it. I don't know. (laughs) Actually, if, if it looks like this, it's going to be the same toss-up. We're probably just going to stick with the ones we have because we're kind of cheap. Well, it's economical. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and we'll get complaints we're, we're, again. We're money people. We understand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yep. All right. So what's a common misconception about either baking or running a family business? And how do you address it? Everyone thinks owning a business, a family business, is puppies and rainbows. They're wrong. <laughs> they are way wrong. And it's hard being in business with family. And you need to try to put that relationship over the business because a lot of families break up because of it. And we've kind of had that. We've had it both ways. Yeah, it's not puppies and rainbows. Yeah, <laughs> our, our first podcast actually addresses, it's called Rags to Riches. And it talks about how a family business is successful in it what's called rags to riches and then repeat Mm -hmm. Mm. because that's what happens oh it goes back to rags you mean eventually yeah unfortunately i think it's like 70 percent or so after the uh, third generation uh, it it doesn't survive if Uh, there's not proper planning right we Mm -hmm. we actually are involved in the we are just starting the houston family business association and it's for family businesses. So if you mm-hmm. have clients, that you have to have two relatives working in the business. And the first one was succession planning. Mm-hmm. And this one we had this week was conflict resolution. So the whole goal of that one is just for you to enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. That's the story, actually, that, that we use. It, where, it, And again, it can all be solved with proper planning. Not everything, but you just think about something happening and then you have siblings in the business and then there's some sort of a whatever happens and then there's an empty seat at the uh, thanksgiving table listen uh, terrible we don't really talk about it very much but we've definitely been there with my family and it was ugly and i lost i lost part of my family because of it you know you don't you don't want to go down that road it's not a fun road right and i would tell people to plan ahead because if you don't think stuff will happen, it will happen. And when you start making money, people start getting greedy and ugly. 100%. Yeah. Our, so. our other business partner, Andy McGee, he's a certified exit planning advisor and he touches on all of these issues. So he might be a good asset to to invite to your we, when Anna Stell died, she was the wife of Uncle Saul, and so she was the last one in the bakery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she's the one who made the Kai's rolls with oh, okay. Uncle yeah, Saul was one. Yeah, <laughs> and the one thing that three brothers did correctly was when they incorporated. They opened before 1960, but they incorporated in 1960, and that lawyer made a buy sell agreement, mm-hmm. and that was really smart. So. We didn't use the math in the buy-sell agreement. We came up, we had to buy, her decedents were her three daughters, Bobby's first cousins, and we loved them. And it was a little touching, it was a little touchy, okay? But 
we made the decision, the relationship is more important than the business. And the other thing, I had heard this woman that she does negotiations for NFL. Mm -hmm. And it was through Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And she said in every negotiation, there is something that does nothing to do with money. Because we mm -hmm. couldn't get Anastelle. Oh, wait, no. This is when we wanted to buy out Anastelle. That's right. That's right. And Anastelle wasn't willing to sell. She was willing and then she wasn't willing. Back and forth, back and forth. And it ended up being, there was something that had nothing to do with money. It was baked goods. She wanted to make sure her family continued to get baked goods and got their weddings and grooms mm. cakes and things oh, like wow. that. So we put a couple of lines in the agreement. I was, we were working with her, one of her daughters and son-in-laws on it. That wasn't good enough. So we added a couple more lines. Not good enough. We have a three-page bakery addendum <laughs> for this when we purchased yeah. her, her shares. And then when she died, we had to buy out the girls because, you know, the buy-sell agreement came into play. And that was we had to do a little negotiating there, and it was a little. And mm -hmm. that's when we said the relationship means more than the business. Right. The key is, is, is planning and, and, and doing it beforehand. And, and again, it's most business owners, they're so busy running their business that, that those are things that they don't think of. But time comes to where these topics and these things happen. And if you haven't planned for it, then that's why a lot of these businesses that were supposed to be legacy businesses, they, they, don't, uh, they don't survive. So we went to a seminar and one of my professors in college became the head of, of the UT MBA department. We went and talked to him and he said, here's what I'll tell you. Don't work in your business. You need to be working on your business, not in your business. And he said, you need to you're going to get dinged if you're in the business. So we've kind of moved ourselves away. We've created a team that takes care of the business. An incredible team. An incredible team. I got incredible employees. We wouldn't be doing this today if I didn't have that. Right. We but, wouldn't be sitting um, here. You need to kind of move away and let your employees take care of this. So we ended up hiring a business coach. He basically told us that, that you, sure. you basically suck as managers. So, um, so I stopped. I kind of, kind of took aback by that, and and he says, "How do you like being uh, chained to this table back here, mixing all the cookies and everything else?" Because I was doing everything. He had all the recipes in and his head. He said, "You need to give it to your employees. Do you think they're going to steal the oatmeal, the chocolate chip cookie recipe, and make a new bakery?" <laughs> And so I gave it to them and they did such a great job that I gave them some more and I gave them some more and the chain started to go away and sure. and I was able to do other things. And now I don't even really, I haven't been there in four days, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now you can enjoy the, you enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? Because yeah, yeah. you have, you've delegated. They, and they you call me right when they have a problem, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And that leads me to the next uh, question in that. So every business has its pivotal moments. Can you share one that stands out for you? That one. That, that's. That the it. business coach and. Learning oh, that, that we were oh, terrible oh, managers. Oh, oh, that's a, that's so a big this deal. is after yeah. after Ike. This is a big argument that Janice and I had. We uh, discussion. I get a call from this little girl. Any, anyway, she can tell the story a lot better. But we won the 
best pecan pie that be- Country Living best mail. Okay. This, this takes a couple of minutes, well, but it's a pretty good story, but I don't know if you no need to pick limit. up your kids no, or anything. No, okay. So he picks up the phone and there's this little girl, Sarah, and she says, I'm an Hi, intern. I'm an intern. I'm, I, I, I'm an intern for Country Living Magazine, and we're trying to find the best mail order pies in America. So can you send us some pies? And at that time, Three Brothers Bakery, if they sold 200 pies in a year, it was a lot. And luckily, we had just gotten a frozen shipment. So it came in this one of those styrofoam mm-hmm. things. So we had a styrofoam box, okay? For, and we never shipped anything, really, not well. And so he sent her, I think, some pumpkin pie and apple pie and our pecan pie. And so then... I didn't want to send it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me go back to the discussion. So that was the discussion. Okay. I forgot about that. So what happened was I said, oh, my God, that's great. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of media attention. So I was like, oh, my God, this is huge. You know, we've got to do this. And he was like, this is just some college kid trying to get free pies. (laughs) This is a great scam. I haven't heard this one And so we start... Having a kind of loud discussion about it. And finally, you just pick your battles and you go, okay, I'm done. And I knew it was from Hearst because my friend's family, my friend's dad worked at Hearst. And so I knew the area code and prefix of their building. I used to live in New York, so I knew it. I knew it was real. And so he, I walk in and there's, like three days later, these beautiful pies on the table, you know, on the wooden table, you know, where we do all our mixing. I'm like, what are these for? And he said, well, you told me I had to send the pies. So we're sending the pies. So you send the pies, you forget about it. And then a month later, he picks up the phone and it's a photographer from Country Living Magazine. And she says... He, he. uh, He, okay. You want... Can you send... No, he didn't. He said, uh, uh, excuse me, um, could you send us some more pies? (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was a scam. (laughs) Why did I need to send you some more pies? Well, do they not tell you? I'm like, no, what? He goes, well, y'all won best pecan pie. We need to take pictures. I'm like, yeah, this is such a scam. I can't believe this. You know? And I didn't believe it. I did. I thought it was. I thought this was like a college prank thing, you know. And so, and what did you tell him? I don't remember. You what told, I told him, him, "Why didn't you take the pictures before you cut the pies?" <laughs> 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 so anyway, we made some more pies and we sent them up there, and that accolade changed our business. That little intern, Sarah changed our business and our lives because from that it got media attention locally and then greg morago who just retired from the chronicle as a food editor he came up with this thing which turned out to be what we call the pump a capital and he called us like five days or five days before thanksgiving said can you make this for me please sure we're doing nothing okay and it's three pies baked into three cakes and each pie cake is a layer. So it's in the three are apple, pecan, and pumpkin. And then mm-hmm. it's got a, they're filled with cream cheese icing. It's iced with cream cheese icing. Mm. It's got a generous caramel drizzle and it's trimmed with pecans. And the best one was actually the first one we ever made because it was still kind of hot. We were, it was, it was tight, you know, before they came and it was really just, oh, it was so good. So anyway. It was a joke. I, I did, did it as, as a joke. joke. We okay. thought it was a joke. And 
everybody was like, oh my God, can I uh, order one The phone this? starts ringing, yeah. They and want to buy it. Uh-huh. No, it was a joke. Um, and Oh, no, 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 we need that. We need that. And so then we didn't sell any of that year because we did it as a joke, but then we started selling it. No, no. The was Food it? Network called and said- Or maybe we made a few in December. No, they saw the article and they said, hey, we want to come and do a story about this. So they came and did a feature- um, oh, wow. On the pump of capital. And I had to remake it and everything. And it went on the Food Network. It was Outrageous Foods. And it went pretty, it, it went kind of viral. And so this is 2011, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then 2014. And then, and then it, I show up on that, on that um, cake challenge thing. He did. He ended up getting in the cake challenge, Food Network cake challenge because of that. And then. Oh, no, wow. No, no, no separate. Because, be, not because of that. Oh, Okay. Maybe it's because I did the, the stories right. <laughs> yeah, it's because I got you on there. Anyway, so then, um, 2014. So then it's we're watching Saturday Night Live, and it's Weekend Update, and in Houston, Texas, in Texas, yeah, they call this the Diet Cake, and it was our pumpkin. And it was oh, our pumpkin. Cool. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's and crazy! That, that was such a fun year. What a fantastic that, story! From that. It ended up on CBS Morning News, you know, that 90-second update. It ended up on there, and it just started going viral crazy. And so that year, all of a sudden, we got people calling us up. And I remember this one guy called, and the phone was ringing off the hook. It was just (laughs) unbelievable. The phone was ringing off the hook, and this guy calls, and my employee says, Oh, I'm sorry, we're sold out of those. And he goes, let me talk to the owner. So Janice gets on the phone with this guy. He's from Fifth Avenue, right? Was on Fifth he Avenue. lived on Fifth Avenue. And he says, I need 10 of them. And I need them sent to all of these admirals and generals and all these people and, you know, that have the, have the button, you know, Basically. the nuclear code. <laughs> the, 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 the okay, nuclear we'll get them out. We'll get them out for you. Okay. We get them out for him. He calls back, and he now he's Janice's best friend. He became my best friend. And he day. says, <laughs> Janice, he was nice. I need you to send 57 of them. He bought like 67 of them. Oh, wow. And they and, were $500 and, um, shipped, I think. Yeah. And so he oh, wow. shipped them out all over the place. And uh, it was just craziness. And it was just craziness over this thing that I did as a joke. And, you know, and we had so decided funny. we had to limit how many we made because otherwise you wouldn't get your pecan pie for whatever. Right. You know, so we said 300 was the max. And once we sell 300, we're done. And so it became supply and demand. And someone, I think you took this call. This guy called and he says, I'm flying in. I'm flying in. I'll, I'm going to Arizona, but I can stop in Houston and get it. And he goes, <laughs> that's great, but I still don't have one for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! It was like crazy. That's it so crazy. It, it, it was, was a lot of fun. My, my, John, uh, we have to get one. One. Well, yeah, yeah. of course. So put us on. Put us down for one. That we'll, okay. we'll, one. Uh, one. one. Year, Do you have a plane to come pick it up? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drive there. <laughs> it was interesting. This past summer, I had these guys come here from the UK. They got one and they wanted to talk to me about it. They paid for it, and I come in and I talk to them. They do a YouTube thing and they came in and do this YouTube thing and I'm talking to them and they're telling me they got invited by the state of Texas 
to come and do YouTube videos to promote the state of Texas. And we were one of the spots that was chosen to be, oh, wow. to, come, uh, to come on to. So hmm. that was pretty cool. And they wow. make more money than y'all, I think. Oh, I'm sure. They make a lot sure. of money. I'm sorry. Sure never, <laughs> never went to college. Okay. Yeah, we know. Those guys, the influencers, they make a lot of money. Unbelievable. Why do you think we're great. doing this podcast? We want to be there. <laughs> well, John does have a great he voiceover does. voice. I hate, I hate yep. to say. Yep. No, Mark I agree. not quite the same. I agree. Then. All right. <laughs> I like hearing myself talk. About. You're good. You're good. But. So <laughs> looking ahead, what trends or changes do you anticipate in the baking industry? Oh, that could be restaurant industry, right? Well, what I think some of the things we're seeing right now is a lot of retro a lot of uh-huh. stuff that used to be like big, thick borders on the side of the cakes. Old-fashioned wedding cakes. Old-fashioned mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. and a lot of that retro. And we are seeing a lot of robot stuff coming out mm-hmm. now. Yeah, that you would never imagine. On the food side also, I think smaller cakes, so single. We do mm-hmm. fill a couple layers of cake is a eight-inch round. But we also make them just one layer. Yeah, because people maybe don't want to eat as much or something. So we are seeing that. Yes, automation, you would never believe what they can do now. And we've seen this now for a few years. There was actually some people, they were affiliated with NASA and they were here. But by the time I found them, they were in Columbus, Ohio. They had moved their company. I was bummed. But I sent them a picture of a cake, a drawn cake with a giraffe. It was like a kid's cake with giraffes, giraffe, monkey, things like Mm -hmm. that. And they put it in this program, and they had a machine that had the different colors of icing, and it drew that cake exactly without human intervention, not without a person holding a piping bag. It was amazing. And now we've seen another one that's doing that. And the price is coming down. And you're seeing it with cookies and things of that nature. It's getting harder and harder to find these talented decorators because once they pass the cottage food laws here in Texas, most of them, the really good ones, if they don't want benefits, we offer benefits, they work out of their house. Okay. And so I think you're going to see in the retail baking space, and you'll probably see it in the grocery stores too. It wouldn't surprise me if H-E-B gets it soon. These types of machines doing the work because you just can't get the talent. And they don't call in sick. It's kind of sad if you think about it. Though. It's yeah. very sad. It sad. I mean, it's sad. like the Kaiser machine. You yeah. know, it's a it's a talent. Right. And it's we're losing the talent. It's like when the sewing, I we used to have a sewing factory in my family. And when the sewing industry left America, the ability to put a zipper in is is a talent. And it's gone. And that's why you see zippers now where the zipper is exposed because all they got to mm-hmm. do is basically sew a U on that zipper and it's in because they don't know how to do a hidden zipper. Mm. So it's a talent and you're going to lose all that talent. It's progress. but uh, Sort of. Sort of. You know, the cottage law, I, I'm, we, we don't agree with it. I mean, they're not regulated by... Health the health department. department. <laughs> so, you know, your cat walks up on the counter while you're making a cake, and oh, that's, that's a good okay. Point. <laughs> um, which you have to really kind of think about that. So, anyway, the college intern, Sarah. Sarah. 
who we love. Did we ever get in touch with her? Do you know I where she is today? To, no, and I've wanted to do this thing, and the media would probably have to help us find her. I want to find her, and I want to bring her in when we're in high pie season, you know, November, December. Yeah, and have a wrap pie. And have, <laughs> yeah, she can't help box up pies. <laughs> but I want to say to her, you did this. What an incredible thing. So there's I, someone out there that, an that, intern. that did that, that has no idea. An They're probably intern. just walking around, you know, just doing their thing. So I'm gonna, maybe I'll try again this year amazing? to find her. But yeah, this you know, people discount interns. Do not discount the intern. They can change your life. Oh, don't, yeah, that's a and good point. And little Sarah, the intern, she not only changed our life, we grew. So she affected all these other families. Well, now all of our clients get uh, pecan pies. And we appreciate well, thank that. Thank you, yeah. too. That's... Um... I wasn't sure whether I could mention that or not, but we really appreciate it. Oh, no, they love, they love. I didn't love know if I, I didn't want to say anything. You're here because they loved your pies. We got so, so much, much positive feedback. We're like, when do you get these people on? Yeah. So, it, uh, so. Well, we, we really do appreciate it. And we love it when local people, and I'm sure a lot of your clients are local, get our mm-hmm. pies. Because yeah. maybe they'll also come in the store, too. Mm-hmm. So we just, we thanks for letting us help in a sweet memory uh, absolutely and, and so as here's our last question and again kind of go back to sarah so for aspiring entrepreneurs what's the one piece of advice that you'd give for sustaining a family business don't do it <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it's a you, lot of you work you can answer that one because I, I that's a i tell people i had somebody come in the other day and say oh, this is John and he wants to go into the bakery business and he loves to bake. And I said, why? (laughs) Why do you want to do that? This is hard. This is a hard business. Not that any other businesses aren't hard and hard, but you don't see your family during the holidays. You're working. Why do you want to do this? And I just grilled the crap out of this kid. (laughs) I was... I was like, okay, nice to see you. <laughs> Have a nice day. And he was his I, his jaw was on the ground. He didn't know what to even even say to me because I think that people are not real about stuff. They don't. Right. They make it sound like it's oh, that's so great. You know, you really need to think about the bad things about being in this industry, not about the good things. The good thing is, I make people happy every day, but. I'm working when everybody else is enjoying their family and we're working hard during that time period. And so people need to know that before they go into something like a bakery business or the restaurant business or some kind of, I mean, there's all kinds of business. There's no bank holidays. Right. That's a really, that's a really good point because I guess they see most people see the, the end result and the success that you've had and don't realize everything that went into getting where you are today and, and still on a, on, on a daily basis. And so it, it kind of reminds me, I, I've talked to people that want to get into, in, into our business and I did the same thing that you did. It, it, I told them, well, let me tell you about, this is how you start off and these are the hours and you don't, you know, you don't start with clients. They don't just say, here's a bunch of clients you can have. It's you have not to an go, ATM. No. And you have to, you have to get, you have to talk to people and most people are going to tell you no. And you have to build trust. And that trust isn't built in a day or a minute. That's it's right. It takes time. And if you're willing to do that and do that for the first 10 years, maybe 
maybe then you'll make it. You'd be surprised how many people that you have that conversation with. And they turn around and they're like, yeah, you yeah. know, that doesn't sound as good as I. Prior to the pandemic, I taught this like, we'll call it business 101 at the SBA Small Business mm-hmm. Development Center. And the and you get reviewed at the end. And then they send me my reviews so I can maybe improve my shtick. And so this one guy, he says, she makes you not even want to open a business with what she tells you. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I just did that guy a big favor. Yep. Because if you're scared off from what I said, you should right. not open a business. I want you to learn from my mistakes. Don't make your own mistakes. That's, uh, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I think also, I just want to say one more sure. thing about that. If you open a business, build it to sell it. You don't have to sell it, right? but build it to sell it and work yourself out of a job. Each You're going to be doing all the jobs. Then you're going to grow a little and you'll hire someone else to do another job. And eventually you shouldn't be doing any of the jobs. You should be sitting here with John and Mark doing their podcast <laughs> well, because yeah. you have great people that give you the time to do that. And that's Absolutely. really the way you need to look at it and then look at how much money you need for your old age and will that business get you there. Nice. That's a great advice. You are in the money business. From the School of Hard Knocks. Oh, <laughs> we learned everything that, the hard way. That's you right. from us. But that's so. the best way to learn it. <laughs> we brought you our favorite things. Oh, oh yeah. yeah so. we, we are on the favorite section here <laughs> that I'm going to bring up here. Yeah. So as, as we wrap up, we want to get to the most interesting and fun part of the this podcast. Part. <laughs> and uh, so we'll shift to our favorite segment. Uh, Janice, Bobby, can each of you share your favorite product from your bakery and why? And I know you brought some treats here for us. Because it's a hard decision. Well, first of all, we didn't bring pecan pie because we know that you're a fan. Mm-hmm. So we oh, know yeah. you've probably had it. So so Bobby can explain. So instead of pecan pie, we brought you a king cake because we're in king cake season. Yeah. So we thought that would be kind of fun. And, and then Bobby can tell you the bread and the things on there. Yeah. So we brought you some egg bread, which is challah. Uh, challah. And, and that um, recipe is about 200 years old. Wow. The three brothers actually became known for their rye bread. That that was kind of mm-hmm. like the staple. I eat corn rye every day, pretty much. It's what my dad grew up on, and it's the same recipe as what my what my family well, used. They started making sweets, which they made a few in in, in Poland when they when they had the bakery, but they've ex- we've expanded it, and and now we. We make hummantaschen, which are these cookie dough triangles that have different flavors in them. We have them cherry, raspberry, apricot, lemon, chocolate, poppy seed. S'mores, Nutella. S'mores, Nutella. We make a bunch of them. And that's actually a great story because we used to make it only once a season for a special holiday. Purim, which is coming up. I had this woman who kept calling. She would call like every two weeks and say, can I get some of those? Yeah, we got a minimum. How much is a minimum? <laughs> uh, 36. Okay, I'll take 36. This is coming, so, that was coming probably from his dad. So uh, <laughs> that, that, that impression. So we would <laughs> make the lady 36 and then they'd make a few extra for the store. And we sold them. And then she called back two weeks later and she got like to order some more of those homotoshin. And how many do you, it's 36. Okay, I'll take 36. So my dad kind of got tired of this lady calling and uh, he just started making them for the store. And because they really didn't like to take orders. I mean, they, they really didn't. It's like, 
that's one of those items. And then we got Rugula and we got chocolate chip cookie. And this is, is this the, um, the my favorite cookie, the Snickers chocolate chunk. Yeah. I like chocolate that chunk. Six and we've Snickers. got um, almond sticks, which supposedly yeah, if you, if, if you have celi- stomach celiac, gl- it's uh, gluten free. Yeah. Gluten-free, but it's not because yeah. we are, if you're celiac, we tell you, we have we, we're just not flying here. all over yeah, the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So. But there's a funny story about that. Cause we used to make them in a horseshoe shape. Okay. And they looked really big because they were in this horseshoe shape. And so I said, why don't we straighten it out? And once they we kept straighten- breaking, that's why. And once breaking. we straighten it out, we sell like half a dozen, a dozen. Oh, People wow. would buy one, you know, before. But because we changed the shape, hmm. they that's started incredible. selling. Like, All the little things that, that make it such a big difference. Yeah. And then we brought you King Cake. So when I came in the bakery, 1983, by 1984, I was... I was changing things up, sure. getting computers, you know, really, really <laughs> yeah. pissing off the Bobby, old guys. This is clean compared to some of our clients. Really like <laughs> and so I'm making king cakes now. And so we go to on a on a business trip with a bunch of other bakeries. And they go, oh, this is how we make the king cakes. We were in Louisiana. Like, oh, my God. I've been making them wrong for the last 25 years. They Thank were terrible, God. too. They were They're terrible. making them the easy way here in New Orleans. We're going to start making them this way. So we started making them this way that, that we're making them now. They've just been a hit. We started making our own boxes. and Yeah, now we have our own uh, boxes. Yeah, so, and we wow. have not, yeah. this year, we have not been able to keep them in stock. And, wow. and I actually have seen that in other places, too. I think it's just picking up more favor. And then also on the tray, I don't know, did you tell them, we make gingerbread men every single day. Oh, yeah, gingerbread men. We're, yes. and my, Gingy, my daughter loves them. No, and say. Gingy is our mascot. Oh, I and love so that. we got a little Gingy, and we have stuffed Gingies now, stuffy toy Yeah, we had these Gingy toys that we made. Are y'all selling merch now? That's yeah, a little, we sell merch. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah, a little, it's a little gingerbread uh, pin. I, a little gingerbread pu- man well, pin. Look, when I you love go that. in the store, we have little stuffy gingies. And we too. ship them. We ship them all over. So you can get the gingerbread men with, with the stuffed ginger. animals shipped to you. Oh, cool. And uh, my grandson has one. And, and it's actually his favorite stuffed toy. Yeah. And you don't know how that's going to turn out. It just happens to be his favorite stuffed toy. Yeah, we did not say, hey, this is going to be your favorite <laughs> yeah. stuffed toy. The, two, the two-year-old, right, yeah. And then Rugula, that's a Polish... I uh, said the Rugula. You did. Yeah, uh-huh. That's cream cheese uh, mixed in the dough. And then it's got cinnamon and then a flavor with it, like raspberry, and then topped with the cinnamon sugar on it. Okay, I just have to tell you one more story. Yeah, of course. I know y'all have to go, but I have to tell you two more stories that are kind of funny. Used to be you could only order something from Three Brothers Bakery seven days in advance. Why? Why? Except for a wedding cake. Why? So, like, if you were calling eight days before your event, they'd tell you, call back, call back tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> right? Why? They only had seven clipboards. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, I, and then someone came up to me and told me this story. She said her, I don't know, it was her father or her grandfather, would take her every Sunday to Three Brothers Bakery to watch the show. What was the show? It was... Bobby's dad, Sigmund, and his uncle, Max, his brother. Yeah, Sigmund and Max were brothers. And they would yell at each other in 
Polish or Yiddish. <laughs> and then they would turn around and they would yell at the customers in English. And that was the show. So we now uh, also offer customer service at Three Brothers Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> and, and great customer service, by the way. Well, I wish that for the, for the people that uh, that are listening, uh, I, I wish you could see what it is that we're looking at because it's uh, truly a work of art. It smells wonderful. Three Brothers Bakery. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, you need to become familiar with it. And we have four locations here in Houston and online. So tell me the, uh, the other locations. So you have your... We have one by your house. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have one at Brazewood between 610 and Stella Link. That's 4036 South Brazewood. Okay. And then we have one in the Memorial City Mall area. I don't remember that. One, two, three, nine, three, Kings Ride Lane, which is actually by this UBS office. And then we have our Washington Avenue at by 4606. 4606 Washington Avenue by Shepherd. And then our newest store in Tanglewood is I don't remember. Wood- <laughs> <laughs> Five seventy four Chimney Rock, Woodway and Chimney Rock. So we would love to see you at any of our stores and and uh, website, Instagram. Oh, yeah, all of that. Three, it's the number threebrothersbakery.com or the word threebrothersbakery.com. Either one will get you there. And then most of our handles, except for LinkedIn, are the number threebrothersbakery.com. And then on LinkedIn, it's the word three. Okay. And, and, and your website is, is uh, fantastic. And it tells the story, which, again, it's, uh, it's an incredible story. So just wanted to uh, thank you both for taking the time to come down here. Thank you. It's an inspiration to all entrepreneurs and people that want to get into this uh, this sort of business. We just want people to be careful and to understand because too many people walk into stuff and they don't really think about all of the drawbacks that can happen. They don't think they're going to flood. Yeah. I mean, and you guys are speaking our language because we're financial planners and everybody thinks, oh yeah, I'm going to make money. I'm going to retire. Well, you got to think about this, this, and this, and this. And it's sometimes tough to talk about, but you have to. So are you going to go home and read your insurance policies now? Yes, it's ma'am. better than yes, sleeping pills. I will. I will. Yes, ma'am. With a highlighter. <laughs> you know, before we go, I want to tell you about a little story that happened to us a few years ago. We had a guy call us up. His wife went into business and opened up a cupcake shop. They wanted to sell it. So we went to go look at it. She went into partnership with a girlfriend of hers who had no knowledge of the cupcake industry and had no money. And she was a 50% owner. Well, she met a boyfriend who was wealthy and she basically walked away from the business. Well, now she still owns 50% of the business and the lady can't make any decisions without her. And she has no money in the game. So anyway, it didn't work out well for them. I think people should know stuff like that. Moral of the story is, if you can do your business by yourself, do it. Don't get partners. (laughs) Partners are not so great. And plan. 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 Plan for the unexpected. That's right. And figure out how you're going to navigate your family. The last place you want to get money is your family. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) understand that. Thank you guys again. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Join us next time on Dollars and Cents, Wealth, Wisdom, and Well-Being. 
This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS Group AG and is a member of FINRA and SIPC.